You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. This week's rugby story is born and bred from a rugby league hotspot that is Wigan. The sport is in the family's DNA, and the big man was always going to follow it. Beginning his journey at Wigan St Jude's, he made the move to Wigan St Pat's just a couple of seasons later. Some fine coaching and his own talent earned him a scholarship place at hometown club Wigan Warriors after a short stay with Lee Leopards. Progressing through the age grades at Wigan coincided with selection for England under-16s to play in France. He achieved a local lad's dream of making his first-team debut for Wigan. After a couple of temporary moves, he had a loan offer from Toulouse and he was motivated to make this his new home and so France is where he now plays the game he loves. Ladies and gents, Mr Joe Bredesen. Follow, like, share, subscribe and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Eggin, Twitter, at Trot the Eggin, slash at John Heath, Instagram, Trot underscore D underscore Egg underscore In, YouTube, Trot the Eggin, LinkedIn, John Hetherington, and Spotify, Trot the Eggin. How have you been, Joe? Yeah, not been too bad, mate. Um, I don't know, good week of training, getting ready to... Uh... To travel tomorrow. Um, so, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, good man. Before we get stuck into your rugby story, mate, where was home for you and who lived with you as a kid? Uh, home for me was in Wigan, um, <clears throat> in Oakley Hall in, in Wigan. Uh, so, there was me, my mum, and my sister um, at home, and then my dad lived like five minutes away. Um, they separated when I was six or seven. Um, but okay. What normal to us was my dad was always around, just came and went uh, from my mum's house as it as and when he wanted to. So um, it's normal for us, but people look at that as a bit of a not normal what happens when this is when your parents split up and that. But um, yeah, that was that, that was my own. Yeah, more common than you think, oh mate, isn't it? It's yeah. very rare. You see, don't want to. It's not the nicest of phrase, but like a complete family. My mum and dad done the same. Like it's yeah. it's usually the norm, isn't it? It's now probably not normal to stay together. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just what we know, mate, isn't it? Council estate? No, 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 it wasn't. Posh. Was <laughs> I, it was posh. It was in the middle. So. so, where does your competitive edge come from, mate? If you've just grew up with you and your sister and your mum, really? Um, probably from. Both my mum and my dad were really sporty as, uh, like when they when they were younger. Uh, so my mum she swam for for Wigan and she played netball as well. And my dad, um, <clears throat> he was in the army when he was when he was young. Um, and then when he came out of the army, he took up uh, like long distance running. Um, so he ran marathons and did um, did he, oh, he did like karate, like mixed martial arts type of thing and. Um, yeah, like, and my sister, she was really sports, still is. Um, yeah, so just, just kind of came from there. Really. Rugby was always in the family. Um, and I played a little bit. My mum's brother, my uncle, he played. Especially, I actually played at Witness way back in, probably the 80s, maybe 90s. Um, my granddad, he played, wasn't allowed to be a professional, his mum wouldn't let him. Uh, but yeah, and like even like my cousin, he's we're going to admit it, he's going to have had, he, he's playing, so rugby's always been in the family. 
When when you broken into sport, especially rugby, where was your first club and how was you introduced to rugby? Obviously, it's in the it's in the heritage for for you, isn't it? But somewhere is there a memory of your earliest memory of playing rugby, seeing it? Uh, yeah, so I used to watch it. Um, I used to watch it with my granddad when I was little. Um, you have the, the old tape recordings on a the VCR. Yeah. Um, he used to have all <laughs> You're the, young as well, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I used to have all the Wembley finals and some of the great matches of the like k- kangaroo tours and, and stuff on, on VCR. So he'd sit me down when I was really little. We'd sit and watch them, and um, yeah, I started playing it when I was six, seven. Uh, went down to St Jude's. Um, I think I must have been seven. I think I was. I've just turned just it just been my birthday. My, and dad said, right, if you want to start playing as you can do. I was like, yeah, take me down. And yeah, I remember my first session, the other guy called Barry, he ran straight over the top of me, was a little barrel. And I was just this like string bean. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I was at, started off at St. Jude's and then became a became a traitor and moved to St. Pat's when I was 10. So, that went down well, mate. Uh, it was a bit frosty. Um, yeah. But I ended up going to my uncle, but he was the coach of, of the team when I first went, and then as he started to play, he stepped down, and um, I had the great Bill Ashes as, as my coach, and Ian Gilbert, uh, um, Alan Rimmer, he was one of our dads, he was, he was the head coach, but kind of, you know, you're asking me about passion and, and whatnot, he was definitely passionate. He, Took us back step and like Bill and Ian do a lot of the coaching because he, you know, he, he knew they knew more, but they both sacrificed a lot for us. Even when his dad stopped playing, he was still there. Um, and then we had uh, Steve Hampton came for a little while, played with his lad. Um, and then we had George Williams, his dad, Pete Williams, for, for two years. And um, yeah, some really good coaches coming up. Yeah. So, did. Did you cross the the threshold be, with everyone associates Wiggins Frida up as the Pats thought is is that a reason or was it simply just for your own development? Uh yeah, it's it's mainly for my own. Um so Bill had started coaching at, at St. Pat's. Um yeah. and my uncle was the coach though and he said, Oh, you know, if if Joe wants to to get a bit a, better it would be and I've trained with a really good coach like suggest you come down and that kind of just how it happened it wasn't a oh you have to move here to, to go to Wigan you know then at, at St Jude's they had Mike Olsen who's my first time coach and Paul Buckley who I still speak to today Paul still comes and watches me and um he was a taxi driver so I never grew up any time he was a taxi with someone that around um you know they were two great coaches like I said, sacrifice a lot of time to teach kids the game and stuff. Um, there was nothing, nothing there that meant there was no bad blood or anything. It was just, yeah, I just wanted a bit of a change, just progress a little bit. And um, eventually, Paul's lad even came and Paul stopped coaching and brought his lad to St. Pat's for a little while. And yeah, it's it just, that's just kind of the way it went. It wasn't like there was no bad blood, no bad blood in there. Maybe when I came, first time I came to get Jews was, but yeah, uh, you know, when I said when I said I was leaving, it was it was all good. Yeah. 
they shouldn't be at that age, mate, should they? Because as much as like people know the Pats are like a, a breeder cup for them, you're still a kid at that age. You're not playing for that. You're playing for the love at that age as well, aren't you? Still, so yeah, it shouldn't definitely. be that bad board, yeah. really. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Never really on teams where parents were, you know, giving their mobile or anything like that. Um, they were just letting the kids play and have fun. Oh, mate, was there any town team stuff for you, Joe? Yeah, so um, I've been Wigan Town team. Transitioning to high school, mate. Do you think the rugby helped with that? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I went to Sentiment Norris in Ashton, and 
they was they was always pretty competitive at rugby in the in the northwest. So um, yeah, definitely definitely helped. I was always in the team, played in the year above um, as well. So um, definitely I made the transition a little bit easier and knowing a few of the boys as soon as I got there as well. Yeah. And how did you find the standard of school rugby to club rugby job? Uh yeah, it was a it was a bit different. Um yeah. obviously you're not gonna have necessarily uh, seventy yeah, seventeen man but we're all training together. Some days we some weeks we'd play and we wouldn't even have a training session, just turn up and if you were lucky enough to be in peer with each other, then you'd have a you'd have a training session or on the lunchtime before been by. I was lucky. Yeah, we had four, four or five of us that was at Wigan, a few of us at Saints, and then a few lads that just played at pretty decent clubs. Whether that be at like um, we had that Blackbrook lads, um, yeah. So yeah, we had, we had a we had a good mix. We had a pretty decent team. Yeah, didn't need like a, a centre midfield filling in on the wing or out like that, no. <laughs> no, I think I think well, I think we did have a, we had a striker once on our lads or on our wingers played on wing. Uh, yeah, to be fair, he killed it. We were like, they should come play rugby, but um, I think he was I think he was at Everton at the time as well. But I think he was meant to play. PE teachers coerced him into playing. No, it's funny isn't it when you see like at that age of forty odd that's never played before. And yeah. like things start happening, you just see the absolute fear and puzzleness on the face, don't yeah. <laughs> especially if they've got to return a kick, mate. <laughs> yeah. So, was there any rugby union stuff through high school, mate, or were you just simply a rugby league school? No, yeah, we've always always rugby league. Um, my my best mate, who I've been best mate for about three, is yeah. he was always rugby union, he was always All right. The way and his dad was his coach and his dad always tried to to get me going to the rugby union and I was like, nah, I'm just gonna play rugby league and rugby union's rubbish. As you can imagine, lad being from Yeah, yeah. He played rugby league with me at school. Um that's the only time we ever played together, but um at school level, nah, it was just yeah. We never entered any tournaments that was rugby union and we actually had um he's just signed at OKR now, the the new NAU for OKR, Greg Mannion. Um yeah. He was at Leicester for a few years as well. Uh, he was my PE teacher slash rugby teacher at school, so right. he was always, yeah, you know, believe, rugby league. And then he went to rugby union. Cross the divide. Yeah. Done really um, well and all, Greg, didn't he, mate? He's some people won't understand the lads he's brought through at Leicester. Yeah, no, he's done. He's done awesome. Um, I follow him on Twitter. That's the only reason I managed to keep up to date with him. Or um, yeah, I see some of the stuff that it does and I think it suits him like I remember him at school he was always you know really encouraging and um, yeah I think it just that role just kind of suits him down to the ground and being ahead of you right, mate and when, when you're going through school and you start making impressions on the field mate when did your talent start to be noticed or was you aware of yourself being noticed um Probably, probably at probably about fourteen, I reckon. Um, I know a few, a few of the lads had been at, at at Wigan for a few years, and I, I'd not, I'd not been picked up for another year. Um, and I knew Keith Michael, who was he was the head of youth at the time at, at Wigan, and 
um, just so happened he was, he was like a family friend as well. Um, and I remember asking him, I was like, what, what do I need to do? And he was just like, you just need time to grow into your body. And there's no point in taking you now. I was six foot two, six foot three, gangly, constantly twisting my ankle, just as you can imagine, like proper, like I said, string bean. And um, he said, you just need to grow into your body. So when you go into your body, you'll be fine. And then, yeah, 12 months later, stayed at Lee, just getting you know, good coaching at Lee. And then, yeah, 12 months later, he's like, right, we'll, we'll take you on now. And then I think that was kind of when um, kind of realised actually, I'm pretty, pretty good at, at rugby and, um, you know, he's competing against, um, like, Centelli and Leeds. We start playing scholarship games that year. Uh, we'd always train against the year above, so we'd train against, like, like Ryan Sutton, George Williams and people like that. And, um, yeah, I was going all right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then we went undefeated at scholarship. We were the right. first scholarship team to go undefeated. Uh, for two years, so Med um, was vice captain in my in my second year, and that's kind of when you know I knew, oh, you know maybe maybe I could do this as a, as a job, and I always wanted to do it as a kid. You know, it's a dream, but yeah. sometimes you think, oh, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a not. Um, my mum dad always provided everything that I needed, or took me wherever I wanted to go. You know, so yeah, yeah. Fourteen was probably the time I was like, yeah. You know, pretty decent at this, and oh, we won a national cup at, at St. Pat's that year. <laughs> I actually got sent off ten minutes in for the fight. <laughs> straight leg, straight leg guard, but um, yeah, like again, playing in the national cup, like playing against lads that aren't just from Lancashire or from Warrington when they're looking in ten talents. Again, just like testing yourself for another level. Um, yeah, I think it kind of put me put me in pretty good stead for. That step up into into scholarship. So when when it's out of your hands and you're getting told, or you just get right, you got to wait till you grow into your body. Is that more frustrating than if you could do something? Because that's totally out of your control, isn't it? So I imagine yeah. you're still there, going like, "What? What else can I do?" Yeah, it was. You getting told uh, that? It was thing, especially like I said, like we had a lot. Some lads were getting picked up, but we're going. Kind of knew myself that I was probably should have been in the, in and around it, um, but I remember I remember one day I I didn't I didn't want to go and I just thought oh, I'm not I'm not going. I drive a I want to go to the gym, you know I want to grow into my body. I want to, I should, I should rather go to the gym. No, I'm not going. And I was like, no, you're going. Like you know, these are they're interested in you. You know, just go, just get it done. It's only an hour. It's an hour on a Monday night. I think it's on a Wednesday as well. I can't remember if it's two or once a week, but do not just go. For an hour, you can go. You can go to the gym after. Or you can go to the gym before when you finish school and um, do whatever. And anyway, I ended up going. And it, it, to be fair, it worked out quite well. I ended up training against the Eurobulls, um that year as well, and they were playing games. So they were playing against like the Wigan and Sunderland. So um, again, put, put me in pretty good stead. Of, thing and um, I look back at it now and I'm like when my mum made me go good quite as he said no and I think it had probably been a bit arrogant of me to, to just say yeah. oh, I'm not going to leave um, yeah always grateful for anybody that's willing to put time into the coaches or coach anybody as a kid so 
So even at that age, mate, you're noticing the, the difference in levels and standards at 14. So you've got yeah, like a realistic yeah. view of how things have got to be and what you've got to match sort of thing to the minimum. Yeah, easy enough. Like, um, you know, you go and you'd, you'd see what the old lads are doing and um, start doing that. wonder what they're doing. I don't want to just sit here and do a little a little drill with the 6% of the lads that really I want to be on now with them. 20 lads yeah. over there playing like, like one of the Paul's game or whatever. Um, you know, just going to be there on time and being the right kid and stuff like that, kind of set standards already. And when you went to Wigan, it just went up a little bit of an even more of a notch and continued to go up and up and up until you, know, you got to the first team. Yeah. So you, you're on about the uh, the teams you were playing against when you were playing a bit older than that, mate. So was there any, and I, you mentioned Lancashire, didn't you? So was there any rep stuff? from regional because what people might not understand is the service area catchment was Wigan and Lee that you were involved in so then after yeah. that it goes to like um, North West isn't it yeah, rather than Lancashire we, or did you have Lancashire no we didn't we didn't have anything like that we just had um, we just had the Wigan and Lee um, right. and then we had the scholarship and then we had England on the 16s um Again, that was probably another time where I was like, I got selected to go to come to France um, for two weeks. I think it was to play France in a in a test at sixteen, and again, it was another another thing about actually. I'm pretty decent. Well, did you know you'd be there, and it mate? It's yeah, bad how life happens, and uh, it. Um, we we you know we came to Toulouse, and I think we stayed. We, I think we stayed nearby. Too far away. Um, played a game up in Aldi and again somewhere else. And I actually ended up playing against um, the winger that we have at the minute, Paul Markon. He played in both tests and um, yeah, again, that was just another another step up and um, I really enjoyed being in, in that environment. It was like kind of like your first day, so like being full time, you know, two weeks of kind of non-stop training and, and stuff and being just in the group in and around that environment. Um, okay. really good. So you embrace an environment quite easy, mate. Are you quite outgoing like that? Um, I won't. I won't say I'm the most outgoing person. I'm not necessarily the loudest in the room. It's quite easy to be the quietest. Um, just feel like I'm, I can. I feel like I've progressed as I've got older. Like there's been times yeah. when I was younger when I first got here. The lads, funny enough, one of them said to me today because we've got other lads from Wigan come today on loan. Um. And one of the lads with you when I got, he said, I didn't think you'd be here for five years. He said, when you came, you'd speak. He said, when, when I did speak, nobody understood me because of my accent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sometimes I, sometimes I can be like bamboo, you know. Yeah. Don't really hear anything from me. I can be there, but you might not see me or anything. And then all of a sudden, get a bit comfortable and off I go and, um, you know, can't talk to anybody about anything. Yeah, so do you know when, really, I should hold it back, but while we're touching on it, when young lads come in on loan from places, especially from Wigan, but are you someone they look at to maybe put, put them under your wing a little bit, show them how it's done and like, integrate them slowly? Uh, yeah, I, I was very lucky when I got here that Mark Rella kind of did that 
to me. Uh, I, I came up and I've lived with him did two weeks and, and he went back. Um, then I was just on my own and yeah, Mark Crowler took me under his wing and he was like my, my little big brother. But I used to say like, um, yeah, he did everything for me, he helped me set up a bank account, go get internet, like bit simple stuff really. Um, and that, yeah, I try and do that now. Anybody that comes, you try and make them feel welcome and, um, you know, just have to, if you need anything, let me know. If you need me to come translate or whatever, like, just, you know, just give me a ring, go quite easily come, coming out for you. Do whatever you want to go for a coffee or a feed. Um, yeah, just don't be afraid to give us a message. Little t shirts on as well, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to say that. No. <laughs> So when when you're breaking through, mate, and lads around you are getting opportunities, when when you finally did grow into your body and you felt yourself on a rugby field without people saying, oh, grow into your body, go to the gym a bit more, did you start feeling a little bit like you were, you were maybe a little bit ahead of some lads? Um, I probably ahead of them in terms of like stature, you know, I, I was very tall, very young. I was always like the tallest in my year and stuff like that. So statue-wise, yeah, I was probably ahead of them, which always was, kind of put me at an advantage, really. Because people, I was always noticeable on the pitch. Always a big lad, you know, type of thing. And then, yeah, like skill-wise, at this game, like when you're, when you're at Wigan, if you're dropping two or three balls again, it's not good enough, you know. So we had very, very high standards. and. Um, drilled into me as soon as I got the well not just me personally but like the whole team you know this is the standard that we uphold and um, if you break it you don't get in so kind of being in that pressure environment was you know that that suits me kind of down down to the ground putting myself holding myself to high standards and stuff like that something that I try and still do now and you know um, we had a meeting the week our individual meeting for the past six games that we've had and constantly looking at myself or kind of right I'm at this standard now what's my next standard and, and so on and so on um, just like a continuous improvement if I can and when things like uh, an unbeaten scholarship come around uh, do, you, do you sort of just expect an academy contract because it um, still needs to be worked that mate doesn't it just because you're winning games doesn't mean I call White Wigan, I've got to sign you as more to a rugby playing and winning, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, like, especially with the team that I'm in at Scholarship, we were very lucky. We were very talented. Um, you know, we had likes of Ollie Gilbert, um, we had Gabe Hell, David Thompson Wing, Jake Shorts at six. Um, just around a few, but Brad Lawrence, he, he no longer played. Nick Gregson, like we, the, the talent we had across the board, you could have signed one to 17. It wasn't necessarily guaranteed, like you said, it, a lot of it as well came down to kind of what you would like off the pitch. Um, you know, are you, people say, are you a good person, but like, would you try any school? Was you, you know, was you causing any bother for your school? Was you getting yeah. in trouble a lot? Um, because then they could kind of know the people at the, you know, the people at the sign. Um, which that again, a good thing about coming young is, you know, sport helps people get into discipline and 
kids a lot of people out of bother because you know you your sports guys can get punished if you're bad at school. Like you you're gonna go off to school about oh, I can't piss around because I'm not gonna get picked on the weekend or or we go find out I'll get shouted at. I was never annoyed because that wasn't me, but you know, yeah. other lads other lads yeah. were um, might have been like that. So yeah. Um yeah, that's kind of what it was like. I'm guessing like scholarship, mate, in sport terms, is like your introduction into adult life, isn't it? It's like you said, it's about structure, it's about discipline, it's about how you carry yourself on the field, but more importantly, to the bigger club, well, every club, but the bigger clubs especially, it's how you carry yourself off the field, mate, as well, isn't it? And like, even when you're just walking through your town centre and that, there's always eyes on you because of how big the club is. Yeah, definitely, like, um, and that was one of the things I noticed was uh, not so much when you're at scholarship in 19, but the first team, yeah, you can walk through and people give you a little double glance or whatever. But um, yeah, like it, it's only when you look back and you realise that people were picking up on the little things that you were doing, whether you just go pick up a corn on the pitch when training's finished or you put the ball away. And even just how you interact with other members of staff, not necessarily your coaches. Um, yeah. you know, like, yeah, as you get older, you look back and you go, oh, kind of, that's kind of maybe helped me get to where I am now, or, or I shouldn't have said that to him because, you know, because I've messed that up or whatever. Yeah. So, and how did you find a step from scholarship to academy, mate? Was it junior academy, senior academy, and then first team? How was, what was the, the progress ladder when you were coming through? Uh, so it changed when I came through. It went from being under 18s and 21s to under 19. Right. So it was either tough, bit of a tough transition into 19s in terms of like, normally you go training against lads your age and you're above. But we ended up training with lads that like two years above, so like, like, like Connor Farrell. Connor Farrell, Chris Taylor. Um, couple of other lads that kind of were on the fringe of the first team and, and yeah. stuff like that. So it was a, that was a bit of a bigger shock because I never kind of played school yard rugby with lads at school when I was in like year eight, we were in year 11, but never, yeah. never proper, like, you know, full contact and stuff. Um, and again, just still still growing. I was still, like I said, I know I've been probably not much shorter than I am now, but about 90 kilos. I was like a wreck. Um, yeah. So just like a that year was more of a get a bit stronger and get a bit bigger that year. Yeah. Um, and was it just, was it when you were allowed like two overage players, so say people were coming back from injury or suspension or maybe trying to get a bit of form up with you allowed to play, or was there still an age above that? Yeah, no, we just had it was either under nineteen or thirteen, so there's no. Right. Not nothing in the middle, you know. So yeah. um yeah, but like even then there was still um when the first team would go away to Florida we'd have the lads that didn't make that trip come come train with us and again it was just another step up because even at well, yeah, sixteen, seventeen you're expected to, you know, put in a pretty good competition against them and it was always we was always told if we train well and we make them train well, everybody gets better. Rather than if we train shit, they're not going to train as good as what they have to, to beat us, they're not going to get any better. 
Um, yeah. Uh, like I said, like I said before, just high standards. Kind of always the running team. Right, mate. So leaving school was it always going to be rugby, or did you did you seek that sort of like further education at out? And how did you find the back end of school? Uh, yeah, so I went to college. Went to John Rugby College um, up in Oral uh, from school. Um, I was quite lucky that I passed. <laughs> quite lucky that I passed my GCSEs without really trying. Um, you know, I didn't. At 16, I was always like, no, I'm going to just want to play a rugby player, just want to be a rugby player. Um, so, yeah, I was very fortunate I managed to pass with, without really revising much and, and whatnot. And then, yeah, I went to went to John Rugby College. Um, wasn't the best experience, to be honest. I didn't really like it. Um, I just, I was, like I said, I just wanted to, to play with me, I get I get a text message or phone call in the morning being like, Can you be up at all up for first team training at eleven o'clock? And I'm like, Yeah, speaking of what it's got my boots in the car. Yeah. Lock up, go training against the first team, miss college, mum I get a phone call, Joe's not been college today. And where's he been? Oh, ring will find out I've been first team training. But uh, it's tricky it's tricky one for my mum because she knew what I wanted to do. But she was always like, No, you need to have a backup plan. You know, rugby's not gonna be be all and end all. Um, so that first year was always a pretty tricky year. I, I ended up dropping one of my subjects. Um, I got accused of cheating in an in a in an in class exam. I sat next to my mate, and he had the same answers as me, but slightly different. And she accused me of cheating, and I did cheat. Um, and I just went, I don't think we're going to get on this year. I'll just drop the lesson. Uh, <laughs> I dropped it because I was like, I'm not being accused of being a cheat. I can't sit in the same room as you. Um, so that freed my time up a bit more so I could go train for the team. Um, two or three times a week, I went to have a lesson last week. I can have team around the manor. And then I go train 19 at night. And as a kid, you bloody get loads of everything. You train, but if 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you don't pick up an injury. Um, but yeah, and then my second year. So I failed my first year at all. And they weren't going to let me back in. And then um, Keith Michael came to the college with me and was like, no, he said he's going to sit down this year and really try hard and, and do it. And he somehow managed to get me back in, um, doing the lessons I was doing. Business, IT, and PE, he managed to get me back in. Um, and then pre-season started. And then again, oh, just go first for it there. Um, and he, he ran me up a few times and was like, no, you need to, you need to go for steam for you need to go to college to be on the floor. Uh, okay. And then in January, I told me SEL when I was 18 um, on a pre-season tour in, in Perpignan um, playing against Catalan. And I just remember thinking, fuck, I shouldn't have, the last 18 months I've just wasted. Yeah. I failed my albums like, and at, <clears throat> at that time as well, at that, that age, I was a bit like, you kind of make a break, you know, you're 18, you've done your NCL, you're going to miss a full season. I always had the year after on my contract anyway, but I was like, you know, it's going to be tough, better knuckle down yeah. and, and, and try at school. Um, so then I fully committed to college, bearing the days where I had my ups and stuff. Um, yeah, fully committed, technically passed, got three, came away with three Ds, 
which I see, which I see as a fail. But anyway, which then got me into it got me into uni. So I started uh, a strength conditioning degree after after college, which took me into my six years to do because like, I just did it part time. I think I did the first year full time, so I started nineteen, and then yeah, when I when I went up the first year, I put on the back burner a little bit, and um, yeah, took me six years to do. So definitely worth doing. Like as soon as I finish, I'll like, oh, go back up on now if, if anything fails. So. And the ACL had that been your first big injury, that mate? Yeah, that was my first. My first like big big injury, yeah, like I think, I think it was ten months out between games. Played, yeah, so I did in like January. The next game I played with the, the Australian school boys for Wigan in the November, eleven months. So yeah, it was tough. Brutal introduction, that isn't it? How was rehab for you, and what was the club like with you during that eleven months? Uh, yeah, it was good. They couldn't be any better, to be fair. Um, you know, um, I ended up, I had, to have a, I had to stay in France for a week with the team because I couldn't, I couldn't get back um, any earlier. Um, yeah, I went, as soon as I got back straight to the scan to confirm it, and then the point, like, operation boot straight in. Um, and I was lucky. I had the, one of the best videos I've ever had. Um, in Steve Blakely, um, when I when I did it, um, and I was lucky that he was he was my physio all the all the time that we're getting. He was always my physio, um, and he couldn't have been any better in terms of pushing me and you know understanding kind of how I work just as a person, not necessarily just as a as a player. Um, yeah, they so yeah, def- definitely had some more times. Um, so I had some, I mean, I know, it, I know it can be bad for some players, but, but to me, it was, I, didn't, I didn't find it that bad. Because I just, like I said, I'm always kind of setting goals myself, like that straight goal here, goal here, goal here. And yeah. I, to be fair, it kind of worked out quite well. I had 10 months of, like I said, I was 17 when I was in my first year. I was gangly and still needed to put a bit of weight on. But still played, but, you know, I was lucky at that and I, just, I kind of had a year of just doing weight. But it's kind of that year after when I got to 19, I was 100 kilos and probably the size I should have been, like for, for my size, not me, like after being in the weight room and that. So, um, yeah, you could have been to your body. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so how, how are you when you come back from something like that? Are you tentative, mate, or are you- do you back the process you've been through and it's just like you've never been aware? Um, yeah, I remember when I played the when I played the school boys, like it's just said to me before the game, he's like, whatever you do, he's like, it's going to be hard to do, but it's like, don't think about it. He's like, if it's going to go, it will go. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So it was like, absolutely. Trying to the game. Nice and, <laughs> it was the best piece of advice I've had. Like, you know, yeah. um, just like, yeah, if it, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not in my control. So, um, if my lungs worked before my needed, I was 10 minutes, that was it. Oh, get off. <laughs> so, 
Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a movie still behind the sticks and I said, okay, I'm on your way. And I was like, oh, fuck, get me off. <laughs> He's like, so within 10 minutes. I was like, I've had 10 months off, get me off. Uh, so was, was that your first game back, that, Joe? Yeah, my first game back, that. Was it? Yeah, I remember, like, I think we had one lad break his leg, like, ridiculous. Lad injured all left, right and centre. And I, I weren't allowed to go back on either. I didn't realise I weren't allowed to go back on. But, yeah, he was like, nah, once you come off, you're off. So, uh, okay. I remember arguing with Tizzy on the sideline, starting back on, but he's like, nah, go, go get a shower. Uh, when did the DeLorme moves come about, mate? And when, excuse me, when a club brings a loan move to you, how did you see it personally? Did you see it as it's a great opportunity to play? Or did you get a little bit deflated and think this is where I want to be, really? As in, at Wigan rather than the loan move? Um, do you mean, well, the first one was Joe Reg when I went to Swinton. And that at the time I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to go, I need to go get a game, yeah. I need to, I need to play. Um, it was a tricky one because like I was 18th man quite a bit, and I wasn't really playing. But I just, so I just 18th man, I'd warm up the day after I get flogged. But then some lads would be playing on dual edge, and I was getting match fitness and and whatnot, and I was like, yeah, being 18 months great, you're in the first team, yeah, in and around it, chance you can play. But then on the back end of it. You're not playing. If you don't play, you don't play. Um, yeah, so when I first went to Swinton, I was like, yeah, good bit. I can get a bit of game time and kind of kind of show them what I can do. Um, the work in someone was kind of probably what put me out the door at Wigan a little bit. Um, just with kind of what happened in the in the lead up to that. And um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't my best personal performance. In, in terms of attitude towards it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember kind of arguing with Matty Peter at the time. He was kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't know you word it, but like he was kind of the young lad that transitioned from 19s into first team. He was kind of like in charge of them. And he was like, oh, you're going under the red team, you're going there. And he said, oh, you're going to go to work. And I was like, no disrespect to her. To work and some, but there's in League One, and I didn't want to go to that level. But I'm, I'd rather stay here and get vlogged. He's like, Now you go in. I was like, You can't make me go. So I'm not, I'm not going. Being a little bit stubborn, some lads at the time were going, Don't go, don't have to go, don't go Workington, don't go travel with York and get absolutely battered. You know, yeah. just back, back yourself. And anyway, I did. And a few verbals got said, and a few swear words here and there. Um, and then I got dragged into Lenny's office, and that was kind of ended up going after the meeting. Yeah. But um, I remember sat, I remember being sat there and shouting at me and saying I've not got any trophies under him and whatnot. And he went over the table and he like me there. He was like, "You're this far from getting sacked," and I was like, "Fuck sake, I'm like next up here." And it was only because I told Matt to fuck off, but I didn't get dragged yeah. in. And I shouldn't have done. Yeah, I never should have done. And I apologised to him afterwards. But at the end of the meeting, when he was like, "You're right, you go in, go sign the papers now, go to my office, sign the papers." Uh, okay. And then he went, "Remember, you're this far from getting sacked." <laughs> and in my head, I just went, "Well, his fingers have gone further apart. So I'm in, I'm in the clear. I'm safe." So I went out to sign the papers. 
went to work and got absolutely battered. Um, so, uh, yeah, that one was a bit of a tough one. And then, um, yeah, and then went back to back, back to Swinton one more time after that, which was um, a bit of a better experience. Um, but the Toulouse one, yeah, that was kind of, I knew I was already out the door. But at that point, I was never going to probably play for Wigan again. And um, I'd just come back from from an injury, which had stopped me from going to, um, I was close to probably going to OKR before um, I got injured in a family for Wigan in the, in the pre-season. Um, yeah, and then came to Toulouse and I got a phone call from Matthew Pete on the Monday night. said, Luke, Toulouse got an injury crisis. Do you want to go? And I was like, um, but you got half an hour, bring me back, put the phone down, turn to my work, mum, I'm off to the south of France. She was like, what are you on about? I was like, I'm going to lose. I'm well for a month. So she's like, oh, okay, I ran Matthew back 10 minutes later. I was like, oh, okay, I'll pack my bags. Like, right, fine, you're flying Wednesday. Come to the office tomorrow, sign the papers, and came here and never looked back. One month turned into nearly five years. Yeah, yeah. a big haul. <laughs> yeah. So if we just rewind a little bit, mate, and when you're in and around the first thing, you're probably living every Wigan kid's dream, aren't you, really? Or 90% of them, you're on the cusp of representing your hometown club. So what's it like being around the squad that's 18th man as a young lad? Yeah, it's good. I, I must the experience of it when I was 19. Um We'd come to play a Catalan in France as, as in the 90s. He was playing before the first team and we landed in France and I got a phone call or he'd come in being 18th fan for the first team. One of the lads was pulled out in team run and we've only brought, and only brought 19 lads or something like that. So, um, yeah, it was the first time I was sat in the changing room. It's just like, this is where we can learn. Like, I've shown a lot of things and told me why Sam Tompkins and I'm like, figuring out what I'm doing in here. Um, never warmed up with him, didn't know the warm up or nothing. Um, I think Rodri Lloyd was there at the same time, and he just said to me, he's like, just do it, I'll talk you for everything. Um, but yeah, it was good. Like, the first team was there, but, you know, they always looked after the young lads and um, tried to make you feel as welcome as possible. Um, but yeah, that was my first experience of it. But then, as you know, more and more, you you're looking at what people are doing and I went for a stage listening to music just because everybody was listening to music and and whatnot and I just worked out <clears throat> as I said as you get older I work out what's good for you and what's not and now I, I, I don't want them I, I don't need to so I was just doing yeah. it because first teamers were doing it um, but yeah the experiences like just how people talk to each other and you know you listen to Sean Watkins tell you what's doing like, yeah, yeah well done no worries boss so, um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. Like, like, invaluable experiences is kind of kind of what they are. You kind of take them for granted, I think, at the time, and you don't realise what you're learning until, like you said, you get old and you look back and, oh, he was doing that. Like, he was chatting to these, like, listen, these moments, they were saying this, this, and this, and, yeah, you look back and, oh, everything's a lesson. When the debut comes around, mate, how are you told and and what's to build up like for you? Um, yeah, mine was a bit 
it was just random. Um, I wasn't meant to be making my debut. Um, and then we got hit by a virus two days before the game. I just got a phone call, you're making your debut. But sweet, no worries. So we turned the team on the next day. Um, the lad that was making my, the lad was already making his debut. All his family turned up. You get presented with your shirt, off your family and stuff. None of my family was there because nobody knew. Just got a phone call, you're making your debut. So I sweet, no worries. That was it. Uh, uh, my mom. Mom will make my debut tomorrow. Wait, feel the way. All right, no worries. Two tickets, please. Got absolutely battered. 66 now. There you go. <laughs> There's your introduction to Thursday. <laughs> so, little fun fact here. Yeah. First game for Wigan lost 66 now to Wakefield. Last yeah. ever game for Wigan lost 32 now to Wakefield. Yeah, did you? Mm. So, um, what what you like with memorabilia and that, mate? Do you keep stuff? I'm quite sentimental, so I probably would. Uh, yeah, I've got. Um, I think I've got all my jerseys from every year that I was. Every yeah, I keep at least one jersey from from every year, but uh, and medals and obviously stuff like that. Yeah, got got all that. Um, that I've given my mum and my dad some jersey, my grandma and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But besides that, I'm not. I'll give my boots away and that to, to kids that need them or, or whatever. Do the kids over there have massive feet? <laughs> Not really, but that's what I mean. I'm always asking them, like, does anybody need any boots? So, um, yeah, there's normally one or two, somebody knows. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Toulouse, the Toulouse loan was literally meant to be a month, mate, and did it? What happened with that? Did it just keep rolling on, or did you actually come back and then make a permanent move? No, so I was here for two weeks, and um, I ran my agent, and I said, right, get me until the end of the year. I was like, I'm loving it. Don't wanna, I don't wanna come back to, I don't wanna go back to Ligon. Um, like what, what, what's the point? I talked to the coach here, Sullivan, and said, look, he's. I'd like, I'd like to stay for you if you want me to. And he was like, yeah, yeah if, if you want to stay, um, well, we're happy to keep you. So, yeah, after two weeks, I'd cemented a season-long loan for the rest of the year. Um, and then at the end of that season, I was again on the phone for the manager and just like, keep me here, give me a contract here. I bought into kind of what the club was, was selling and um, the dream. Uh, yeah, no, and is it as much as you make it sound like it was a really easy decision? Was it as easy as you're making it sound? But it's a big move for a young lad, Joe, isn't it? It's it's everything, uh, yeah. really, mate. Yeah, like that was the first time I'd ever kind of moved away from home and lived on my own. Um, which is why I think I loved it so much. Like, I was, I was like free, you know, I could do what I wanted whenever I wanted, and I didn't have anybody. Just think not if anybody this that knows me that they know what I'm like. I'm not this wild person anywhere, but like, you know, yeah. just 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 reveled in being able to to be to be free and, you know, buy my own stuff in my own apartments and and stuff like that and um kind of look after <clears throat> just look after myself. So it was the first yeah, the first first time I found it was it was really easy about like, yeah, no worries. My parents and all my family were like yeah, do what you best for you. Um, 
So yeah, I just found that dotted line and simple as. Yeah, and when when they bring in lads over or there's there's rumours, is it are you used as an intermediary? That as in do you they come to you and say such a body's reached out, we're half interested, he's gonna get in touch regarding what things are like. So are you half selling people your dream as well? So like H has come over, hasn't he, and established himself. Um yeah. you've had Lloyd White there, haven't you? So you've had really established elite players over here come to you and are you someone they lean on to to help the transition? Um yeah like I've had a few people who they've been keen to sign who have um who've ran me after this sport so like Cedric or or Sylvan just to kind of see what, what life like. So um yeah it it puts me in a bit of a tricky situation because I wanna I want to sell them the dream, do you know what I mean? I want to get me a black and I'll be realistic because yeah. I don't want them to get him and go, well, he told me that it was like this, this and this. And, you know, my expectation of something might be completely different to somebody else. So I always try and give as honest as I can and say, there is some things in France that even to this day for me, I'm like backwards. Like the driving's terrible. The paperwork, they love it. We like in England, you just go, you sign on the computer screen, you know, you got signed papers that thick. and initial everything yeah. and, and whatnot but well once you get past that you know easy go to the bakery every day grab yourself a baguette and a coffee and a croissant and you know just embrace the culture i think it depends on the person really a lot of them yeah. lads that have come they've really embraced the culture and you know they're the ones that end up staying for a while and really enjoying it the lads that are a bit like oh that's a bit weird why they why they do that or whatever they don't tend to stay for as long yeah. And do you know with the caliber of player that you've been bringing in, does it make it that much easier to stick around? Because you're signing like exciting lads like Ollie, and you, you manage to get Guy in and guys on ground, and then you bring in established stars and aren't you like Jake's over there with you now, isn't he? So then you've got people like Light Hates, like I know Lord's not there now, but Ward, and then Dom, you've had Joseph Powell there, didn't you? So you're you're getting a nice blend. Does that make it easy to stay? And does do you think that attracts people as well? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, you know, when you've got the the mix of like the, the experience and and the young and you know, looks like a nineteen year old for the rest of his life. But yeah, when you've got that mix, you know, you're just like, the, you know, you can see the club are striving to to get to that goal. It's easy for me to, to buy into it. You know that. Yeah. When I just got here and then you start signing more players and like, well, they're really going for it. They're not just this club that are just sat in the championship going, oh, yeah, we want to be in Super League. It's a club yeah. that are going, no, we want to we want to get to Super League, we want to stay in Super League, and then we want to win it. And I look at where the club was when I just got here, where it is now five years on. And I'm like, in another five years, it's tend to be one of the biggest rugby league clubs in the competition. Not necessarily in five years winning trophies, but the size of the club in the next five years. And I think Leeds is the biggest one in, in the UK at the minute in terms of followers on social media and attendances yeah. and whatnot, because it's in a major city. We're in a major city with a few hundred thousand. We're in a major city with a million people. We only need to get 10% of them. We've kind of cracked it. You know, um, yeah. 
so I would say we've progressed if I've got in. I'm like, I can see where this progression is going to go. Like, yeah, we've got relegated, we're in a bit of a dip at the minute, but sometimes you've got to take two step back to go ten step forwards. Obviously, you've got to feel the pain sometimes, Joanne, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I think next time we get promoted, hopefully at the end of the season, I think that'll be it. We'll be there to stay then. We've learned our lessons from last year and um, both on and off the field. So. And when, because whether people like it or not, you will be competing for a fan base with to lose rugby union, won't you? So, do the clubs work together at all? And do you do you train by each other? Is the is there the conversation with both codes? Do you know of anyone that may be interested in in having a pop, or are you both just separate entities? Um. Yes. Bit of, bit of a tricky one. Like we do train next to them some days if we're on the synthetic. Yeah. If not, we have our own training base. Um, we're more in the centre of town, they're just kind of on the outskirts in the stadium. Um, yeah, because we have our own training base at Stad Minims um, in town. But we've, we've had training sessions with them in the past. Like we'll train 13 on 13 against them and then 15 on 15 just to. Have a bit of fun and wheel touch. Oh, they go, mate. You go up in the line out, mate. Did he? No, <laughs> I'm, definitely not, I'm definitely not screwing you either. So, um, yeah, like I remember, I remember this one training session we trained against them, and I think the ball was probably said 25 meters in from the sideline. And we had a, we had a split like six and four, and then the next minute, they had eight players down the short side. And I'm still on the open, and there's like five people in front of me, and I'm going, I just think I've all the players. He's going to look to my left, and they're running a short kind of play, and they absolutely burned us with it. And I went, Why we give us that play? Let's go do that on the weekend. We did that in yeah. believe People will be looking at me and what we're doing. Eight players on a short side, you mad. Um, you know, so yeah, we, uh, uh, Sylvan talked to the coaching staff, and there's a good link between both codes and, and stuff like that, as much as they are. Our separate entities and, and stuff. If we ever see each other at, at the stadium, it's always you tell your laws, are you? Like it's not a case of put your head down and walk past in, in shame or whatever. If you see him in town, they'll come over and have a chat with you and stuff. Pretty same lads. I don't know if any of them want to come and take a 100% pair cut, come play with the league, but I can ask. It's not that, it's like, sound daft, mate, but it's stuff like people generally come to. Play rugby union in England and France sometimes just for the European Cup as well, don't they? Just to get yeah. in to see Europe on the back of a job, they're getting, they're getting paid to see Europe basically, and then they have the little obstacle of playing a rugby on a, for an hour and a half in that four day period or whatever. But joking aside, they do, mate, don't they? Especially like yeah. stunning parts of the world like where you are, and that it's, it's a big draw, so you, you just never know, I don't think. And that's what rugby league fans probably don't understand. They, they're that established to lose, aren't they? Because they've been European powerhouses. They use like the little annoying brother at the minute. But it's nothing to say you just can't progress, match and better it. Is there, like you said, the development you've seen in the last five years. You'd have ripped someone's hand off if they'd have sold you that when you first signed, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100%. You know, um, yeah, as much as we're... Like they're annoying little brother. <clears throat> they're the most they're the most profitable rugby club in the world. You know, they're running on a 
probably on a mid League One football team, like in front like France League One. They're yeah. running on a budget is the same as a middle team, like a middle middle table team. You know. Yeah. But no wonder they're so competitive and they're winning everything, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's just a completely different world when you when you see the numbers and, and stuff like that and even if you go to a game it's the whole city's on lockdown, everyone's just watching, especially when they're on TV. Um, you know, and that that's kind of what to lose once it wanna to get to. The thing is with with like the Frenchies, we should say that or not, but people live in France. Um is um they just love sport. They just they just want to support the local team and the thing is for us at the minute, I when I first moved there I, I went and bought a bed. Um somewhere I went in and it was about an hour outside of the losers place and I went and this guy was like, Oh I think I was I was just speaking English, oh, I was still a little bit but well while you're in France because I'll play rugby for Toulouse and I thought Toulouse was a big well known. Yeah. And he's like, Oh you play rugby for Toulouse? Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he messed up the order. He, he messed up my order, and I, um, he charged me like four hundred quid less. And I was like, oh, you know, it's four hundred quid less, but I need to, I need to pay it. And he was like, oh, no, it's fine, you pay it to lose. And then as I was leaving, um, a guy walked in and he went, oh, you just signed for to lose to this man, and this man was like, oh, what's your name? So I was like, Joe Everton. And he's like, oh, no, okay. And he's like. Um, he's like, what positions do you play? And I was like, oh, prop. And he's like, prop? He's like, you're not very big for a prop. He's like, um, do you want me second row? And I was like, oh, no, I can play second row. And then as I left, I got in the car and I went, oh, shit, I think they think I play for the rugby union team. And I just drove <laughs> off. I was like, I'm not going back in there. Yeah, I was like, this guy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's kind of what it's like. They're like the gods and at the minute we're just underneath. Uh, we'll get there one day, hopefully. Yeah, if they throw a couple of zeros on it, you will scrum down at second round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just if they want to. Yeah. But I, yeah. has, has rugby union ever been an option, mate, professionally for you? Uh, yeah. Um, so when I was 22, just before I came to Toulouse, so in the January before I got injured, um, I was meant to go to Wasp for a month on a trial. Um, and then it, yeah, it kind of just fell through. I drove down and met the board and, and everything, and it was all keen. And um, yeah, I was training in, training in secret when I was at Wigan. I trained during the day, and then I'd go up to Wigan Rugby Union with my mate. And um, the guy that coaches there at the minute, he played for Scotland way back in the day. Um, I can't remember his first name, it's not in the Scottish, so I knew him as. Um, and he was giving me training sessions up there, teaching me how to rock, teaching me how to line out, scrum, like, like everything. And the, even the boys in the team up there, they've was helping me with stuff. And like I said, I'm always great. I'm going to be trying to coach me, you know, short time or whatever. And these folks were doing it for fun, just to try and teach me. And I'd never played a union ever before. I'd watched it, kind of had a basic grasp on the game. Um, yeah, and then like <clears throat> in the January, just before I went to play the friendly game, for the weekend I was gonna go and I rang them up. I was like, What's going on? And they just went, Oh, we're gonna have to pull it. We have to pull the pull the trial, we can't do it now. Um, might be something we explore later on in the year or coming pre season. And then I and then I got injured. 
um, as a rank to up by the friendly. And then I got injured and four months later when I was back fit and was coming to the blues. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, but um, yeah. I definitely, you know, it's something I always look back on. I'm glad that I was willing to risk it to go. You know, I don't have anything to lose at that point. Like I said, I already knew. I was kind of out, out the door at Wigan and um, I just I took anything. I, was, I had options to go to America to play rugby in America. Um, yeah. in a in a seven tournament, they wanted to open up like a league called Super Seven. They was having like a combine um, in Philadelphia. Luke and I knew we had flights booked to go to Philadelphia to do a combine. So it was on a Saturday when we were off, and I was like, I'm flying. I would get there Saturday morning, go do the combine, put me on a flight back Saturday night. So I'd be back in training for Monday. And stuff like that, like just because I, I, I couldn't like I couldn't like Wigan know what I was what I was doing, but um, yeah. I didn't I, I didn't go in the end. Uh, it kind of it kind of just fell to the wayside. The two percent I didn't hear anything come of it, but the concept of it sounded big class just bounce around America on a on a tour bus and rock up in Mary City, play sevens, and then jump back on the bus and off you go. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So it's kind of was there when I was younger. Um, whether anything will come up in the future or not, it's definitely something I'll always look at. Um, I always feel like if I didn't try it at some point, I'd probably regret it. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. So, what are the standout moments for you with, with Toulouse so far, mate? What are the best memories? Um, I'd say that, you know, obviously, was getting promoted was, was obviously one of the, the best, probably. And then, Getting that first win in two play against against St. Helens um, last year. Um, so probably the two, you know, being part of all oh, three, playing the first, playing in the first game as a losing two play was was a big one. Kind of set that as a goal in, in pre-season to be in that team and um, and stuff. So um, yeah, they're they're definitely up there with the the best ones. What did it mean? To Toulouse when you got promoted, was there a, a real buzz about you around town? Yeah, it was good. You know, it kind of put us more on the map and grew that grew that fan base a little bit. Um, I think it's more appealing when you say, "Oh, we're in Super League," than than it is when we say we're in the Championship and stuff. Um, you know, definitely got us noticed a bit more and about in in time. So. Um, you know, and yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we got relegated, but without that, you know, what we've got this year, we wouldn't have if we weren't now last year. And then people who are sticking with us now will push us to get back to the top. Yeah. And how, how have you found the, the, the standard? Is it is it more attritional than speed in the championship? And then when you step up, it's just fast. Yeah, like, I can't remember what they said it once, but when they said like we believe the same everywhere, everybody runs the same move. Everybody passes the ball by every tackle, every it's just as bad as everybody else, it's just faster the, the more the higher you get. And the game of the weekend that was a fast game, you know, playing on, on the hybrids and that. But you turn up at some places when you're at Batley and growing up you can't exactly run fast. So um yeah, so that, that that's one of the differences kind of yeah, it, the game's just faster. People make the decisions faster and and later at some point. You know, um, 
probably a bit more clinical as well, mate, because everyone's played very similar and all the out-the-back stuff, don't they? So I'm mm. guessing the harder teams are the ones that stay in the game where I'm going to do the little things right, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. People who aren't knocking the ball 10, 12 times a game and, you know, yeah. completing sets up at 80%, 85%. Um, you know, people talk about that a lot now and, yeah, it's definitely something that we're trying to stick to. You know, we're trying to hold ourselves to that, that Super League standard as much as we can this year and um, hopefully that's going to get the cost of line at the end of the year. Yeah, bit of a silly question, mate, but the future ambitions and and I've no doubt Super League are one of them. So what are your future ambitions, maybe on a personal level and as a collective? Yeah, obviously as a collective, I want to get close to Super League and get into to stay there. The probably the more near-sighted goal is you know, promotion this year and um, next year to, to stay in there and then more longer term to, to still be here when the club's growing and you know, we've definitely got the ability to attract some of the best talent on the planet. Um, you know, be competing for trophies, hopefully. Um, on a personal note, um, starting the my masters in, in September, um, in psychology. So, you know, just keep continuing with the studies to then when rugby comes to an end, um, you know, can always kind of got an easy transition into life after sport. And logistically, mate, how tough is it when you, you're travelling back into, is it, does it take at all? And is there ever a day you think it just can't be asked? Um, There's not as much a day which you can't be asked. Like, it's different for, like, the way I look at it is, like, like my missus, she's here and I've got a little one. So when I finish training, I come home and I try and give my missus a break from the little one when he's got a daycare and stuff. And, um, I, look, I look at it as like the coach journey to the airport and on the plane, it's Joe's time, get my iPad out, watch my Netflix, catch up on stuff, like do stuff that I've not been able to do during the week. Um, you know, when I come back to you know, catch, catch up with mates that I've not seen for some months last week, I call my mates that I've not seen for 18 months. Um, but yeah, like sometimes you get back to that week, you get a bit fatigued and stuff but at the end of the day we are we all laughing and joking and we say oh we're grateful you know could be worse it could be in the north of England on the building site after a game we're not we're well, you've yeah. got to go get up at six but you're getting on the plane to fly back to the south of France so it's sometimes just need a bit of a reality check I think yeah, it's a good way of looking at it really mate that isn't it and and the family's probably a nice get away from the game because there's a lot of time you just don't get that chance, mate, do you? Like, it's like I say to everyone that comes on, when you look at an athlete, someone that's part of a sports team, you only ever see the end product of that week. You never see the Monday to Friday, do you? Yeah, yeah 100%. Like, um, it is definitely a little, little break where it definitely takes your mind off whatever's happened at training and, and whatnot when you come in and Little ones running around and making the ice a mess. And I feel like I've been I've been kicked into the playroom tonight to do this stuff. So don't get in the way. I thought you um, might have been in a toy box. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely a nice break, you know. Um, and the the good thing about being here as well is like, well, some people get advantage and disadvantage. It's it's just us, just me and my missus and my little one, you know. 
who was yeah. a back home, you can be up with by or you go oh, day off, go go take him to me. My mum and family are going to take two misses and my family are back here. It's just like, oh, just yeah. let's just us three go do something. I mean, it's just going for a coffee to the park or whatever. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, and we pride ourselves on, on being a family just as, as a club and a team. You know, we integrate the misses and stuff into and the kids into as much stuff as we can to try and keep that bond and uh, you know, hopefully you'll see it on the pitch in terms of where we perform. That's it, mate. When the when the going gets tough, when you, I think bonds found out then, aren't they? Even if it's ones that were formed over a couple of pints, mate, it's it's irrelevant, isn't it? They do get found out when things aren't quite going right for you, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. So, um, yeah, and that's one thing we've kind of focused on this year is, especially being such a small squad as well. Kind of like we need to be, you know, we all need to be close and have each other's backs because. Like on the weekend, we lose all the way, we lose the trailers down to one tub, and um, yeah, can be pretty tough. So, gonna have each other's backs. And just before we move on, mate, when you when you're in Super League and things aren't going quite right, and you're in you're in that that bottom end, and it's it's getting a bit heated. What is the pressure like, or are you simply still just being? Realistic and thinking like we are potentially living the dream. Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one because like you want to try and stay. Like to me, I want to try and stay as positive as I can. You know, negative energy just surrounds people and it spreads so quick. Um, so like you look at you got pressure on you to get results, and when the results aren't coming, you kind of searching to see how you can get them and, and stuff, but. Sometimes the best thing to do is to just sit back and just go, you know what, lads, we're living the dream, let's just enjoy it. And kind of the times when we did that, we'd be like, we'd perform really well and we'd come close to winning out of the game, really close to beating Wigan at home. And the week before that, we lost four, four on the bounce, something like that. And we was like, oh, right, let's just all go for a beer together after the game against Warrington. We'll worry about next week, next week. Went for a beer, yeah. went to training, training every time the last minute and about what happened on Saturday night, jokes, whatever. Turned up to the game, like I said, bombs created people that you might not speak to and we came close to winning. And then, yeah, then we ended up beating Saints week after or two weeks after. And if we'd not done that, that bomb might never have been there to go get that win and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, when the pressure gets going, sometimes the best thing to do is just go out and all look at each other. and have a good time and enjoy being around each other because if we do go down, might not be here again. Yeah, and you've cracked it really if you can find find that atmosphere and culture, mate, haven't you? So a few daft questions for you, Joe, mate, if that's okay. So any yeah. pre-match superstitions? No superstitions with such. I just, I'm always the last one to get strapped, but that's just more of a don't like being ready for the last minute. Yeah. Right. I mean, I can get, I can so, get dressed. If I, if I get told I have to get strapped first, I will get strapped first. But that's just kind of yeah thing. It's just because you're nice, mate. You let everyone yeah. else have a go first. <laughs> so the word I'll say now is different for everybody, mate. So toughest is the definition is very varied. But the toughest player you played with and against, Nicky Mark, hundred percent. The match I've ever done. 
uh, both against and with him. So, your favourite away ground? Uh, Leeds, uh, Eddingley. It's a popular one. That what is it about Eddingley, mate? I don't know. I just look at that. I think I think because you always get a good attendance from from the Leeds fans. They're always quite loud. Quite a bit of an atmosphere. Uh, it's always a good pitch, you know, good good facilities and that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had a, a Barry McDermott on the other week and he said when he used to read the programme, if someone said their favourite away ground was heading me, it'd piss him off. <laughs> Be, but he said, I, I get it now because of exactly what you've just said, the facilities, the crowd, the pitch, it all makes for a nice occasion. He probably when it used to piss me off when I'd read it and the favourite away ground was Eddingley. So hopefully you've not just put a marker on your head, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, so say you'd gone out and you'd had a, them, them bonding sessions we've spoke about and a few beers have been had or wines, if you're now a connoisseur, mate. Yeah. But if the microphone ends up in your hand, what are you going to give us? Uh, I don't know, man, I know. Yeah. Uh, you got a one-two step with it as well. Oh, I'm on the hands up. I'm done. <laughs> so, if you could go back and tell a younger you anything from what you've learned so far in life, not just necessarily the game, what would it be? Um, the, the story of the Chinese farmer. You've never heard that one. Basically, it's just like no matter what comes along in life, whether it's good or bad, you won't know the consequences of it until until later on. So you come across something that people have said oh, that's really good, like you've done something really well. Yeah, I might have done. But if I read then why you look back and you've not, or something really bad happen, and all oh, that's unlucky, you know. And if I read then why you look back and that's definitely what's ever happened to me. The Chinese farm story is a little bit better, but I, I said it to my missus over there and he sent me the questions and I was like, she was like, don't say the story, you can't say it well enough. So I don't know if it's the top of my head. I just, just kind of know the gist of it. Yeah. Um, no, like that, that. And don't piss Wayne off enough to say you're that far away from being yeah. sat. <laughs> right, mate, so if you're willing to, a 1 to 13 that you've played with so far. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Sam, Sam Tompkins at fullback. Yeah. Uh, Tom Davy on one wing. Who's that, sorry? Um, Tom Davy. Yeah. On one wing. Um, Don Manfredi on the other. Yeah. Um, at centre, uh, Junior Bye Bye. Um, and then Dan Sargentson. Um, right. six and seven, George Williams, Tommy Lulai. Yeah, fair enough. Um, at eight, uh, Patrick Vardai. Uh, okay, Mickey Mack. At ten, Ben Flower. Um, eleven, Liam Farrell. Twelve. Yeah. Don Perry um, and 13, John Oakley. 
You've been listening to Trot the Egging. Thanks to our sponsors by Dell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Egging and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.